0: it's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash focus NFL. 60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Get an offer for your car from True Car. That's right, in the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get a True Cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or at home. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate True Cash offer from a local True Car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. Welcome into the NFL PFF NFL podcast. We're live. I just got nervous. We're live. Yes. I just screwed it all up. Steve Pelizzola here with Mike Renner. We can't can't do a redo there. That's it. We're back.
1: What was wrong with that? I... You I don't know. I claimed just claimed it was bad before. It said, didn't even actually i set said it out of order. It's PFF NFL podcast. I forgot the name of our podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, the NFL podcast. Welcome. It in. Is. Should I just take over host? Welcome in. We're talking NFC this time because we went AFC yesterday. Wow, you're good at this. It's like <laughs> you've done it before, but we, we we fired you from that role. I know. We hit the AFC
0: yesterday. Um, it was a record day of listeners on the podcast. That's Appreciate that's awesome. everybody for downloading and listening to the afc podcast now we're going to hit up the nfc and then don't forget we have a bonus podcast tomorrow which we mm. were just talking about we're going to hit up all the superlatives. superlatives what do we have on the docket best value picks biggest reaches best fits best drafts most improved units yeah all best sorts draft. of fun stuff so we'll do a bonus podcast tomorrow on wednesday we'll see if it's live i don't know i'm mm. already cracking under the pressure of live now how, how you holding up we just recapped all 32 Drafts individually for YouTube. Mm-hmm. They're all done. Go watch those in the can, as they say. Um, so those will be flowing through YouTube if they haven't already. So now we're just going to repeat everything we said once again. So kind let's of, go. Yeah. Th- What's that? Kind of. Yeah. Kind similar. of. Now we'll we'll go a little more in depth here. Potentially, I like to look at the classes as a whole. I like you know really seeing what each team added more so than you know just the player by player analysis. Let's get to the NFC starting the East. Mm-hmm. Good? All right. So New York Giants. A huge story, obviously. I think the overriding feeling here is we really like their draft, mm-hmm. but it's still going to hinge upon Daniel
1: Jones at 6, which yes. we didn't love. But still, the rest of the picks look really, really good. Yeah. I-, I think if you just took Daniel Jones out of this equation altogether and say they didn't have that 6th overall pick, or if they didn't trade that you know 17th overall pick, so if you- they never made that trade, and... You take Dexter Lawrence at six instead. It still looks like a good draft. I mean, Dexter Lawrence, I really like going forward. He can just slim down a little bit. He really bulked up in his career at Clemson to get to that hulking nose tackle to stuff the run in the middle of their defense. But his freshman year, he had a grade of 90.3. He had an elite grade as a true freshman on the most snaps he ever played in a single season at Clemson. And then he got bigger from there. But I think if he can get down to 315, 310, he could realistically be... Up there you'd be up there in that Jeffrey Simmons uh, in our opinion, also Jerry Tillery and Quentin Williams almost air in terms of I think he'd be that good if he lost yeah. and trimmed down to a normal, you know, 310 pound weight for a defensive tackle. Just so
0: you know, the career path that Dexter Lawrence took, he came in with that Oliver same mm-hmm. year. Yeah, they were both true freshmen together and they both graded incredibly. But Lawrence always had better pass rush grades mm-hmm. until last year when Oliver took a, a big step forward. So there was a point where we said, look, Lawrence can get after the quarterback even better than Oliver, who's getting top five, top ten type of hype and of course Oliver goes at nine to the Buffalo Bills so Dexter Lawrence also better pass rush grades than we've seen from other 340 pound nose tackles like Danny Shelton a couple years ago and in a similar place as Vita Mm -hmm. Vea who went last year so at 17 Dexter Lawrence can be valuable do you want to do you want to hit up the rest of the players we like and circle back to the Daniel Jones discussion
1: well I'll just say I think DeAndre Baker and Julian Love are very similar players neither are are extremely fast both run over over 4-5, or five, but both are very physical. Both are great at the catch point. Both are have been top 10 in terms of forcing completions over the past two years in all of college football. They are great at the catch point. Good instincts for the position. I think they got... you know DeAndre Baker got at 30. He was 16th on our board. Julian Love at 108. He was 45th on our board. So love the value. Love the position. I think they upgraded it at a need-need on that roster.
0: Yeah, I mean, we keep talking about stocking up on corners. That's great. You're throwing Sam Beal, who was... A supplemental third-round pick last year, um, and they've thrown a lot at Mm -hmm. the cornerback position. And and rightfully so. I mean, they should be uh, in New York. There's just so many holes on that defense. Attacking cornerback was really, really smart. Um, They've had a major need at edge defender. O'Shane Zimenez from Old Dominion, a little undersized, but you get him at 95 overall in the third round. That's a good pick as well. A guy that put up excellent pass rush grades for two straight years. Um, So a lot to like about this entire draft. But, but it still comes down to Daniel Jones. Yeah, but at number Daniel six. Jones, exactly. So
1: uh, that's the worry is that Jones just, from an accuracy and decision-making standpoint, was not something that we felt you should take a top, in the top 10 of the NFL draft. And now, he does some things very nice. I love his footwork. I, I love his mechanics. I love his pocket presence. It throws with anticipation at an NFL level already. Uh, and then the nicest thing you can say from there is you can't, Maybe you can't necessarily judge his accuracy and decision-making great because of the talent around him and you know having a bad offensive line, having bad wide receivers, but I think you still can to some degree, especially the accuracy part, and it just wasn't there. I mean,
0: let's see other nice things. He has improved.
1: I mean, his Low percentage of years. negatively graded throws, too. Yeah. Not a, in terms of him compared to Drew Locke. Was, Locke had a far more negatively graded throws than right. Jones.
0: So Jones, the uh, first two years graded in the 60s, that was poor last year big step forward into the low 80s it's more than just this 3 year sample isn't great mm-hmm. you know isn't top 6 overall great. i will say there was a former nfl coach around here we get coaches flowing through the office all the time just kind of seeing what pffs all about getting more details about things um, and he had a pretty close connection to daniel jones and just said loves him off the field just all of, so you've t- you said you could see how nfl teams could fall in love with yeah. him but on the field and off the field, has ever all of that stuff. Intangibles. The intangibles. My, I, my, I always come back to you, shouldn't the intangibles have showed up on the field mm-hmm. a little bit more? Should we have seen a little bit more efficient play throughout his career? So um, he will define the draft. Mm-hmm. And if he defines it positively, when you look at everything else they've added, yeah.
1: we could look back at this as being one of the best drafts. And I mean, he looks like he could be related to the Mannings. like Maybe like a second cousin that's that's a nice that's a chick mark in his corner too. there we go. The relation to the mannings
0: and he looks just like Peyton when he runs play action out of the gun. I mean the mechanics are like Uncanny. I just watched Peyton do this on film i 'm going to imitate him mm-hmm. directly, so we gave it an above average grade, even not loving the Daniel Jones pick for yeah. from a value standpoint in the, at six overall. I still see him as a day two day, a day two type of guy, but we still gave him an above average grade because of these other picks that they potentially hit mm. on. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles, they trade up to go get Andre Dillard at offensive tackle. We've talked about this a little bit. and like the process there. Yes. Let me just reiterate. The Eagles, another like one of the few teams that doesn't have major holes across the board, but when you continue to add positions of value, I think that's how you just maintain excellence from mm-hmm. a team and roster building standpoint. And I like, I like how they did
1: that. And so we're usually proponents of trading back. We're usually saying you can get more out of two guys, or we think we can get more out of two guys than the one guy that maybe you think is more of an impact player. But I think there are exception. There are always exceptions to that rule. And when you have a guy like Andre Dillard, who we had as 13th on our draft board, falling all the way to the mid-20s and 13th on our draft board at a valuable, valuable position like offensive tackle, falling all the way to the mid-20s. And then the foresight to know that the Philadelphia Eagles know that the Texans will be most likely taking Andre Dillard at 23, jumping up above them, getting him, even though he's not going to probably step in and start right away. You still have Jason Peters, still have Lane Johnson. He's going to sit on the bench until, well, Jason Peters' body probably breaks down, which has been happening of late. But sit on the bench until you need him but then when you do need him he'll have he he's not getting thrown to the fire right away he'll have some practice under his belt have some coaching under his belt to where the last time you really want to draft an offensive tackle is like when you're the Houston Texans right now when you desperately need them when you have to plug and play them as rookies that's when they take their lumps and we've just seen offensive tackles and offensive linemen in general are not good as rookies for the most part usually it's year two year three year four before the light starts to turn on for them so if you don't have to start Andre Dillard right away, that's a good thing in my mind. Are so, people
0: questioning the pick because he's not going to start right away?
1: Yes. Is that what you're getting? Yes. But I think it's. it was one of my favorite picks in the entire draft. Because of that process, I went into it. The Plus, decision-making process. Uh,
0: yeah, the idea of... Because you, know, you said, look, the Vikings at 18, we'll get to them in a minute. Should have taken Dillard over Garrett Bradbury. Should have taken a tackle, right? Yeah. Over Garrett Bradbury. We'll talk about that later. I mean, I, I just think yeah you're not drafting just for two thousand and nineteen, mm-hmm. and there's a balance between seeing the field quickly and finding finding that value and i think this yeah this hits it properly um yeah they they overdrafted a running back in Miles Sanders at fifty three overall but again, the one thing I'd say about the Eagles, the way they've built that offense, all the different style weapons, having a receiving type running back you know as the cherry on top, I think makes a ton of sense mm-hmm. got to you know catch the ball and um you know make guys miss in space. Yes. But then they had JJ Arcega Whiteside four picks later. And so now he's your Alshon Jeffrey, your mm. parent, you yes. know, replacement, whenever that happens. That basketball Contested team they got. Guy, yeah.
1: In Philadelphia with their wide receiving core. How do you match up Ertz Goddard, Jeffrey, JJ? Yes. That's tough. Plus I mean, Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. And Deshaun Jackson. I mean, that's just a lot to throw at a defense. You have one sort of undersized guy and you, you can exploit that matchup there's it's a, like I said it is a basketball team they're throwing at you there with Philadelphia's wide receiving core and um, Deshaun's the point guard or is, or is Carson Wentz the point guard, Wentz situate, is the point guard yeah. so Deshaun's what off guard I don't know I took that analogy too far but I, I like what they've assembled offensively <laughs> Carson Wentz is still the point guard or
0: uh, what's his face the backup Sudfeld, Nate Sudfeld. oh yeah is Sudfeld
1: qb1 yeah
0: well nate sutfeld has to uh it's competition now. he has to he has to compete with Clayson Thorsen. clayton thorson clayton thorson the mm-hmm. uh, fifth round pick out of northwestern thorson has some accuracy issues sharif miller an explosive fourth round edge defender world rusher in there they yeah. love the pocket Gets pressure power.
1: the pocket pushers in philadelphia that's him
0: so we gave that above average draft as well love mm-hmm. their process there washington redskins another draft that we really really liked and I think the biggest thing here is there was rumors about them trading up and loving Dwayne Haskins. They didn't trade up. They sat at 15. They got their guy. When they eventually traded up, it was for Montez Sweat at 26. We've been on here saying, look, Sweat's not a top 10 type of player. But if you get him back into the first or into the second, it's yeah. a lot better value. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he dropped because of the heart issue, the rumored heart issue. Which was then not an issue. So but I guess it was not it an issue. Yeah. But it also could have been too late after people... Had it as an yeah. issue. I don't know exactly what happened there, but
1: getting him at 26 was a lot more reasonable than getting him in the top 10 as had mm-hmm. been predicted. Yeah, I mean, he's an explosive athlete, but it never really, there was never a game where, like, oh, he's just physically manhandling this offense tackle exactly he's going against. That just wasn't the case. Uh, he did, he's kind of a one trick pony with his bull rush, and that's nice. That's a nice trick to have as a, as a, you know, a player translating from college to the NFL. But you've got to have more than that to actually be worthy of a top 10, top 15 pick in the NFL draft. He's just herky-jerky in his pass rush. I don't think it comes naturally to him, The sort of uh, like you see other guys in this draft class. So that's why with all that freakish athleticism, we're kind of just a little more like, yeah, he'll get, be, get a good pass rusher, but I don't think there's anything special at the moment. It's just how I see him as a prospect.
0: But if there's a, if there's a nice place to go, and I'm going to say this, this the same thing about Rashawn Gary when we talk about the Packers, Go into a place with a whole bunch of different, you know, pretty good front seven. If you get these mm-hmm. guys in a pretty good front seven, I think that might have Sweat and Gary stumble into a whole bunch of
1: sacks to make them look good. You know, when yeah. you've got that other that many other pass rushers. No, I mean you him, him and Kerrigan. It's kind of well, how they both rush the passer. They're both going to try to collapse the pocket, and if that's like when you have multiple guys who are that st- sort of uh rusher you just have tighter pockets for quarterbacks to work from even if they're not necessarily getting pressure right. you're gonna consistently he's not going to be the guy running the he's not going to be getting going, behind the quarterback yeah, exactly. and all that so, stuff and uh
0: jonathan allen breakout
1: season mm-hmm. is what we need there um
0: so dwayne back to dwayne haskins here at 15 the thing about him i think you know very good from clean pocket accuracy at the short and inter- intermediate level i've compared him to sam bradford before don't take that as a knock it take take it as get this guy a few guys Uh, Some playmakers who can get open. He can hit Mm -hmm. them. He could do some NFL-type things from the pocket. Has a few question marks outside of structure. But they added his former teammate Terry McLaurin Mm -hmm. in the third round. Bryce Love in the fourth round. Speedster at running back who's a little hit or miss with this injury. Sixth round, Kelvin Harmon, the wide receiver out of NC State. Big-bodied receiver. So they're starting to maybe build that team yeah, Haskins.
1: we had McLaurin over Paris Campbell, his teammate at Ohio State, who went in the second round. McLaurin just more polished in terms of actually winning on the outside down the field. He dominated at the Senior Bowl that week there in Mobile. So love that pick. And the Haskins pick, I, I think from just another one from just a process standpoint of didn't trade up to give anything to get him. So there's no, really no skin off your back. You're not mortgaging fu- future drafts. You are, as a franchise, screwed until yeah. Alex Smith's contract comes off the books. That's just the fact of the matter, which will likely be about the 2021 season where you're finally getting out from under that money. And then at that point, you have Dwayne Haskins entering his prime. And so you're, in that year, 2021, it's almost a make or break in terms of Haskins going to be entering his prime as a quarterback or should be entering you know the, where you know what you have or what you don't have. And so either you're bottoming out and you can draft another quarterback in that twenty twenty one draft, or you know that Dwayne Haskins is going to be your guy and you can finally start building pieces around him and then you have a cheap quarterback on a rookie deal, you're resetting you know, basically resetting for that twenty twenty one season with this draft pick.
0: Yeah, that's why this draft, uh, I don't want to use I don't know if it's the most boom or bust, but there's something too. It's Dwayne Haskins development, Montez Sweat's development. A mm-hmm. lot's gonna hinge on those two guys and how well they actually perform mm-hmm. at the next level. And they got your guy Jimmy Moreland
1: back out oh, of Jimmy. Madison. Steal of the draft. Best slot he's corner. He's the steal of the d- Right that down tomorrow's <laughs> Super elite. Best slot corner. You just draft. have a soft spot for and him. And Calvin Harmon. I mean, Calvin Harmon adds something. Even if he's not dynamic, you'll never, I don't think he'll ever be a thousand-yard guy, but as he can be a Muhammad Sanu type receiver in your offense in terms of great ball skills, good body control, good contested catch, runs crisp routes. It's good Kelvin comparison. Harman, he was yeah. a
0: top 100 player on our board. Yeah. You know, and you get him at number 206. Somebody asked, you know, why did Kelvin Harmon drop? It's because what you just described you know, doesn't do anything special. Mm-hmm. He's like the Daniel Jones of receivers. Nothing special, just a whole hey. bunch of different things. He does pretty well. All right, Dallas Cowboys, to round out the NFC East, didn't have, didn't have a pick until round two. Their first pick was Tristan Hill, interior defensive lineman, out of UCF, a little bit higher than we would have picked him. He certainly flashed on tape, didn't always see the field, had issues with the coaches over at UCF. Just higher than we would have said. They were really trying to attack yeah. that pre technique position.
1: Now they, this they had a weird draft in my for my in my opinion the, the the Tristan Hill pick it fits what they do. They like penetrators obviously on that defensive line. He is very athletic. Will be able to get upfield, But you already kind of have Malik Collins, Tyrone Crawford in that role of that defense. Yeah. Like he's I'm not sure he's going to he really Collins see hasn't the field. been great. No 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 they have Yeah exactly they haven't been great. But again, we are not necessarily high on Tristan Hill to be drafting a defensive tackle who's going to be a, in all likelihood, 400, 500 snap guy for the next couple of years. There's some projection high. there. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and there was other value. And, and, and he's not going to be your nose tackle either. As yeah. we were kind of projecting them to get a guy like Colin Saunders, like a one gapping nose tackle could add value to that defense. That's not Tristan Hill. Saunders would
0: have been a, a, a solid pick on mm-hmm. our board, at least there at, at 58. Yeah. There was a lot of other wide receiver value on the board, safety value. Everybody assumed mm. that they were going uh-huh. to attack safety, which they didn't until round six with Donovan Wilson. Beyond that, Connor McGovern from, from Penn State can compete with Connor Williams, the mm-hmm. second round pick from last year. Or even guard.
1: Travis Frederick, we don't know. Perhaps, so yeah, f-
0: perhaps some center, potential, center depending yeah. on what happens with Frederick, Tony Pollard. Uh, a r- wide receiver running back hybrid, I will say, with Dak as the uh, mobile quarterback that you can you know, tap into, mm-hmm. having uh, a Tavon Austin style player is fine. Well, That's they have maybe, Tavon Austin also. No, I know so. that, but like a better. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if he's better than Tavon we Austin. We don't, either. but it's one of those. Un, you know, yeah. We know what Tavon, Tavon Austin gets hurt. Having another Tony Pollard. Yeah. So Michael Jackson and Joe Jackson, back to back Miami picks. We got some length. From both guys, Michael Jackson, the corner, has some issues. Joe Jackson, a little pass rush potential.
1: Yeah, Michael Jackson got owned in press coverage there. I think there's a reason why he ticks all the athletic boxes and size boxes. You want from a cornerback, yet, was still a fifth rounder. It just, on tape, he was not – It did not show up. He did not – he was terrible in press coverage despite his length. It was terrible mirroring receivers down the field in any sort of off coverage. So those are issues for him. Joe Jackson, I actually – like him as a prospect i think he has uses his hands really well It's just sort of limited athletically never really jumped off the tape in that regard just kind of uh just kind of meh so fifth round to get him there yeah, not uh, with spot. his length isn't terrible
0: right, let's move on to the nfc south starting with the atlanta falcons the Falcons clearly had a theme in this draft. They wanted to get better in the trenches. They go with what I would consider a very safe pick in Chris Lindstrom at number fourteen overall, the mm-hmm. guard out of Boston College a guy. We had a second round grade on. Shock up a W, just
1: nice safe. Just right say guard. hey, we got a starter. Yeah, we needed. It. And that Man. is the thing though. I don't hate it because we. I had said this before the draft that range of probably like nine or ten to eighteen. The value of those picks were all there just didn't seem there's uh, there about eight guys we liked in the top 10 and yep. then it was kind of this gap and then it was like all guys you'd feel more comfortable drafting at like 25 and up right there just was never going to be range so t- Chris Lindstrom if you draft him at 28 would have said yeah, fine it's a good pick so that's Solid. why
0: you get Christian Wilkins at 13 yeah. to Miami safe Chris yeah. Lindstrom at 14 to Atlanta safe. safe yeah you know nobody was um, and safe as in You know, you're going to get, we think you're going to get a starter. You're Mm going to get a starter at a less valuable position or with a less valuable skill set. That's how Mm -hmm. I'm describing safe right here. Where you feel like you know what you're going to get, but the impact might be lesser than you would get from uh, another player at a more valuable position. I'm surprised
1: they didn't go somewhere like Andre Dillard if they really still wanted a tackle as well. I Uh, obviously liked uh, McGarry because Dillard fits their theme too of athletic offensive linemen. Both Lindstrom and McGarry are extremely athletic. Both. Uh, in that Falcons, uh, uh, that's what they've coveted over the years is athleticism along that offensive line. Lindstrom fits that. He's a good pass-checking guard. Uh, I can't, Like I said, I can't hate too much on the pick. There just wasn't a ton of value to be had in those picks. So Lindstrom, only five
0: pressures last year, played a little bit of tackle previously at Boston College, mm-hmm. and then they traded back into the first to
1: get Caleb McGarry at 31 overall. I was surprised that McGarry went that high. We had him fringe second round. To that's the kind of the interesting thing. I feel like these two, so Lindstrom played right guard. McGarry played right tackle. Projecting the NFL, I wouldn't. I was. I would have almost thought Lindstrom could play right tackle, and McGarry might be better off at guard, at guard. Yeah. in the next level. Which I, I think they'll probably stay at right guard and right tackle. McGarry's a monster. He's six foot eight. He's six foot eight, but he has baby arms for a six foot eight. Yeah. I think he was like thirty two inches, which is really wild to me.
0: He just fires off the but, ball. But they're both like exposed. Few yeah. But like few other tackles, mm-hmm. um, he's not exactly Jr. Sweezy, but he had, Sweezy's that guy that will just maul some people. Yeah. And then have some ugly reps where he whiffs. That's McGarry, I think, in the run game. J.R. I called him the same exact guy. Yeah, uh, third and so fourth round, they they went athleticism again. Kendall Sheffield mm-hmm. from Ohio State, John Kaminsky from Charleston. I know you liked him pre-draft, and we talk about getting an athletic freak oh, on the D line at one thirty-five overall. That's you know you're either grabbing athletes or productive players in the middle, right? Guys that have excelled they in one area athletes. potentially.
1: Yeah, and Kaminsky, I mean, he's about. He is on that Ed Oliver Rashawn Gary spectrum of athletes. And to be honest, now, since Rashawn Gary didn't really produce in college, like getting Kaminsky where they got him as opposed to Rashawn Gary where the Packers got him is a much better value. I'd much rather have Kaminsky in that situation now. I'm not saying Kaminsky gonna be great or anything, but he ran a four six nine forty at two hundred eighty six pounds. That right there is pretty freaky. He had a seven point oh three three cone. These numbers are reminiscent of someone like J.J. Watt back in the day. Not calling him J.J. Watt either. So he's just saying his numbers are so reminiscent. So he just got J.R. Sweezy in the first. Yeah. Sweezy in the first and then J. J. Watt, Watt, Watt in the fourth. fourth. Wow. The value of this draft. What a draft. But yeah, 22 bench reps. The dude is physically impressive at that size. But coming from Charleston, no clue what he can do on a football field. So
0: ultimately, I'd say it's, an, it's kind of an unex, unexciting draft at the top. There's some upside in the middle, quote unquote. It. and just no don't say upside there's athletes in the there's middle. athletes in the middle and i would say the the theme being that they're just trying to
1: shore up that offensive, offensive line, line before it completely disintegrates because yeah they were really, it was really good a couple of weeks. it before. had taken just a stark downturn now injuries obviously played a factor in a number of different things but it took a stark downturn and then obviously had to cut bait with schrader ryan schrader right tackle uh andy levita has gone at left guard you have an offensive line that was once one of the best in the nfl you want to keep it at that level right. to keep that high level offense that you had run. All
0: right. Tampa Bay Bucks, one of these drafts. Now, they went all coverage players, essentially. They went back seven, a sneaky good edge defender in round four. I like a lot of what the Bucks did, starting with Devin White, athletic linebacker at five. Still mm-hmm. a little bit higher than I probably would have taken him, but I understand. I would have taken him at five. I'm yeah. Fine with you them. would have. I mean, well, th- that's the thing. The alternative there would be do you take an Ed Oliver? Now, they could have taken Josh Allen.
1: Yeah, at edge. Now this they left.
0: True. They left some other opportunities on the table, but when you talk about, there's two freak athlete linebackers who can cover in this draft. Devin White's one of them. I don't. Yeah. You know, not a problem. He there. is
1: a Bruce Arians Todd Bowles linebacker. He will sure. do every single thing they want out of the linebacker position at an extremely high level. And so to take him at five, then where it's a position that is coveted and valuable in that defense, I have no problem with. I think he is going to be. When a guy takes on blocks that well as a blitzer, I feel good about him even being able to play run defense at a high level as well. I just think he's going to be a good... Bulls player. had a bunch of years where uh,
0: Darrell Washington in the middle of that Arizona oh. defense was blitzing 110, 150 times, you know,
1: 120, 130 Man, times, whatever. really sad that his career just torpedoed. It, I know. But he, he, was, was he was good. Really
0: yeah. good. All over the field. Make it plays. So Devin White can do that type of stuff as a blitzer, and he has that uh, coverage range. And then I'm just real interested... In ...in what they're doing on the back end. Sean mm-hmm. Bunting, the corner out of Central Michigan. Jamel Dean, the corner out of Auburn. Last year, they got Dean's teammates. Carlton Davis, the big corner. That's two monster corners out of Auburn. Who yeah, Auburn just impressed. plays
1: absurdly big corners. They there. put
0: linebackers outside <laughs> yeah. at corner. That's what Dean and Davis mm-hmm. look like. They just re-upped Vernon Hargraves for his fifth year. They drafted MJ Stewart last year, hybrid corner safety. And I mentioned Bunting earlier. Mm-hmm. So they are just throwing a ton at the secondary, and rightfully so... I can't wait to see how these pieces fit, though. This is going to be great.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if when someone like Dean even gets moved to safety, with how many corners they have, with you know Carlton Davis, like you mentioned, MJ Stewart, Vern Hargrave, Sean Bunting. You already have four. Like, is Jamil Dean gonna be the fifth cornerback in that group? Because at safety, you have Justin Evans, uh, you have Jordan Whitehead, you have now Mike Edwards. You could add another one to that group too, but I, I don't know how this is gonna all work out in the secondary, but I know that they added a ton of talent and Bunting might be my favorite of this bunch that they added because he ticks a lot of boxes from an athleticism size standpoint. A uh, little over six foot, hundred and ninety five pounds, ran a four four two with a forty one and a half inch vertical. Sub seven three cone. Always gotta be a sub seven three cone at that always. position. Those are those are good numbers. Those are it's a big cornerback with good numbers. Uh, I think they, there might be some of the My biggest issues with him were I just thought he was sloppy in terms of playing down to his competition. He would kind of – you knew he was that freak athlete playing against yeah. not freak athletes in the MAAC, So His grade was, my was better issue. in 2017 than <laughs> it was in 2018. We'll see.
0: I mean, I think they're going to try to play a lot more man than they have in the past. Yes, and if they're going to play man, play some matchups. And Vernon got says he's a press man
1: out. corner. That's why he was so bad his first few years here. I thought Vernon could do well, let's, it all. I was going to say let's let's I hope was that's such the case, a huge Verna.
0: Vernon fan coming out. But um, yeah, I'm for like the twelfth year in a row. Very intrigued by what Tampa Bay is going to do mm-hmm. next season. It always feels like on paper they make a lot of good moves mm-hmm. to improve their team, and it never shows up on the field. In part because the NFC South is just. Loaded with talent. They have to go yep. up against Matt
1: Ryan, Drew Brees, Cam Newton, and their teams. But they ignored offensive side of the ball. They said, we're all right there. And I think they will be all right. They had a good offense last year. They did. Anthony Nelson, intriguing fourth-rounder, the yeah. Iowa defensive end, sub-7-3 cone at 271. is pretty crazy, though, to have a sub-7-3 cone at that size. Uh, I, I think he offers a little, he's, i think he got underrated uh, throughout the process because that Iowa scheme is not necessarily the best— for defensive lineman racking up production type numbers, uh, I think you'll be better in a Todd Bowles coach defense.
0: We need to uh, get a live feed on you when you're when
1: you're reading everybody's three cone for the first time. Oh, three Just a live numbers. feed of how excited you get. Oh, Anthony Nelson! The fact that That's they don't silly. show those on TV, like on the live broadcast, no. and we see every we see like O line forties, but we don't get to see which don't matter at all, and we don't get to see guys three cones, like defensive end three cones. It goes crime. back, I'll tell our friends over at NFL
0: Network, we're doing a lot of work with them now. It's a crime. But it goes back to who's watching the Combine. It's the people who want to know yeah. the three-cone stuff. Exactly. Right? You don't need to appeal to the average fan yeah. with certain things. Like day three of the draft, ESPN. Who's watching day three of the draft? It's hardcore fans who want to know about the players. That's why you get to go to PFF yeah. to find
1: out. Stop. Don't have an orangutan announce draft picks and stuff. Is that what they're? I don't even. I don't watch know. That. They had weird. They had like a Wild West shootout for the Cardinals pick, and then I turned it off and just oh, said I'd lost the tracker. Yeah, I stick to the tracker, and you know, mm-hmm. covering the picks. All
0: right, let's go to the New Orleans Saints. We were uh, we were told by a few Saints fans that there's no way they would draft a center in this draft. They've got Nick. salty, Houston. Steve. That I am <laughs> like those two people that were yelling at me. I mean, but they but they had this like.
1: They, they made a strong case if a guy gets signed for less than five million dollars a year in today's nfl he's a backup as a free agent and this was all because
0: part. we did a video that said here's here's a couple guys the saints could target in the second round one of which is eric mccoy from texas a&m who they drafted yeah and they actually targeted moved up to get at 48 overall i think it's a good fit he can come in and start yeah they were not as great on the interior, interior. of the o-line um uh, the saints are starting to play with fire though with their last two draft classes it's the the way their flow has gone, uh-huh. 2017 draft class was legendary. Yeah. With Alvin Kamara, Ryan Ramchek, Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams. I mean, everything was great. Last year, the massive trade-up to go get Marcus Davenport, which essentially depleted two draft classes mm-hmm. worth of talent. Yeah. The reason why 2017 was good is because they had a ton of options, a ton of picks uh, in the first three rounds. The last two draft classes... A lot thinner, so McCoy needs to hit, Davenport needs to be a star, and mm-hmm. then maybe round four, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson uh, needs to live up to his second-round hype, so that's yeah. what you're looking at with the Saints.
1: Yeah, A Mack, I will say, has always teased some nice plays throughout the years at Notre Dame, has some athleticism, very inconsistent, just not that out of him. Caden but, yeah. Ellis Caden is Ellis. a versatile
0: linebacker out of Idaho, one of those guys who plays edge, plays linebacker, just all over the field. Talk about his three cone. Mike you want to talk about Ellis. three
1: cone? I believe it was six four five. His three cone. Six, Am four, I getting nine. that right? Six, six four nine. Six, six. It was sub six sub five. six five. And at, at two hundred and thirty nine pounds, yeah. that is pretty nuts. And it had a four six eight forty. The dude's freak. I'm not sure where he plays at two hundred thirty nine pounds. Probably got to move off ball because he kind of played like an edge. He played. He played a little bit of that overhang role at Idaho. Um, even played some offense. Played some fullback. Maybe you throw him. Maybe he's. Uh, the, maybe he comes and plays offense for them. And, and he did play, play a fullback. Offense. Zach Line gets so in there. So he put
0: out uh, Taysom Hill, Caden Taysom Ellis, mm-hmm. Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara. Just throw them all out there. Yeah, Never and, know what's going to
1: special teams, obviously, as well, with what he brings to the table. Yeah. Uh, as far as
0: Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, a lot of rumors that he had fallen because of uh, poor interviews mm-hmm. at the Florida safety-slash-cornerback. But add some depth there, he could become what – they
1: really hoped Kenny Vaccaro was going to be when they drafted him. I five had some years ago. bad interviews after college too. Didn't get some jobs I wanted. It's all right, Johnson. Yeah, fine. look at you now. I landed on my feet, yeah.
0: You're like the lead draft content producer. No, you're assistant. I really did
1: though. I had some bad interviews when I was did visibly you? sweating in an interview after college. Not with PFF, but visibly sweating.
0: So you couldn't even get a real job. You were just no, kind yeah. of stuck. I was
1: stuck. That's why
0: you had no leverage coming out of <laughs> with a Notre Dame degree too huh
1: nah, i don't i didn't do
0: great there at notre dame or at your interviews both all right are you Who's just a, next wait hold on back it up are you just a life a lifelong underachiever
1: yeah because you're a talented guy <laughs> i didn't have a great gpa or anything there hmm weird all right carolina panthers up next but now
0: i've noticed some change in uh, you're you in your late 20s now would you just turn 29 yeah I just I turned, turned 29 over the weekend, weekend this is that time in life i mean i started I to settle down and get married at like 26 you know i got my girl got married. you know yeah. engaged in, you know by 28 and all
1: that stuff so is that maybe i don't know where you're i'll probably once summer really hits i'll probably be out of the office for a while really you probably won't see me yeah you because you've had a good I, three was, months. Like, you're I was like i was first one in the office, office yet again today Slackers. you're due for a downtick for sure
0: mm-hmm. um anyway uh, enough about you uh, Carolina Panthers. Let's round out the NFCs. Are they last? Where yes. are we? Last Amazing. in the NFC South. The Panthers. We gave them an excellent, an excellent grade. Excellent. We liked a lot of what they did. Um, looking back at it, I think the excellent grade is because they got Will Greer in the third round. Because those first two picks, as far as value goes, sixteen overall, Brian Sped Burns, on. thirty-seven overall, Greg Little. That was pretty much lined up with our draft board about where we
1: would take those two guys. Yeah, I think so. The one player I liked, I said that the middle group is weak in this draft the one player i liked in those sort of 10 to 15 to 20 range was brian burns i thought he was the your best bet there in terms of on-field production spectacular this past year athleticism elite elite athleticism so on-field production spectacular only a junior coming out i I think there's a lot of arrow pointing upwards i'm not going to say upside with him but i think the you've seen a definite upward trend. We've seen high-level play. We've seen high-level athleticism. At that point, I'm very surprised that some teams were willing to pass on him uh, for other positions with all he's done already in his career. So
0: so that's good. Mm-hmm. Greg Little,
1: I mean, just everything. Yeah, Greg Little, 35-inch arms. I think you can add immediately pass protection. There was always kind of that issue of you signed Daryl Williams there, you re-signed him, but for a one-year deal. So it's not... Uh, it's similar to kind of the Eagles where that you don't have a long-term necessarily plan. You don't really want to move Taylor Mouton from the right side, right tackle to left tackle. You don't want to be doing that. I think the best bet was to draft a left tackle right now, kick Darrell Williams into guard. You sign him for this kind of eh, deal. Kick him into guard and then just keep your tackles in place for the next, you know, for the foreseeable future there on the interior or on that line. I've said the word developmental tackle 900 times this past week. But I think there
0: are a lot of intriguing names with guys that can become good pass protectors. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen... seen That's why we like this class. Yeah, we haven't seen college supply a whole bunch of good pass-protecting tackles. Yeah, I think in the second, third, fourth round, there were players like Greg Little Mm -hmm. where we're going to look three or four years from now and say, wow, that's pretty useful. As we're trying to creep back toward average offensive line play, this Mm -hmm. draft, I think, was a step toward that direction. And then Will Greer at 100 overall... Prior to the draft, I called him potentially the steal of the draft because we think he has starter potential, accuracy in the right areas. Uh, not a perfect prospect by any means, but oh, so many of the numbers just pointed toward Will Gray being a good
1: player and you could bring him in at 100. That's a, that's a steal. Yeah, accuracy in the short area is not as valuable as accurate in intermediate and deep, but you could still win with that at the NFL level and especially with how accurate he is, the most accurate quarterback in all of college football actually last year, on throws within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, only 5.5% were deemed uncatchably off target. That's a good percentage to not miss on. So I think you can work with that. Now, the bad on Greer's tape is bad, and he takes a lot of sacks, a lot more than you'd like. But there's that's coaching. You, that's what, that offense, question, you're not Obvi- not necessarily the most projectable to the NFL, but his accuracy is very projectable. To do the you know NFL.
0: what Sam calls that when you when you overrate your own athleticism at the NFL level? I do not. Christian Ponder syndrome. Mm, yeah. Because he used to think... Because you know, yeah. Ponder was pretty athletic, mm-hmm. but he'd always Stay try athletic. to like shake a defensive end and take a sack. Will Greer does that a bunch. Well, that was Manziel yeah. also. Yeah. But Once he, he got to and the he was athletic, but yeah, he did but, overrate mm-hmm. himself too. So they all have the Christian Ponder syndrome. Greer has a bunch of that. Also... Greer kinda needs it to be coached up really well. You give him mm-hmm. the right play call against the right defense, he can execute it. Anytime a thing goes a little haywire, right. he can as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, overall we'd really like the Panthers draft. I know you like Jordan Scarlett in the fifth round as too the run uh, too as the the running back out of Florida. I think early down, efficient running. I think Scarlett mm-hmm. is as good as it gets as far as the He, those he mid could be their
1: short yardage back as Christian McCaffrey if there are any deficiencies to his game. He's not much of a pile mover. Scarlett offers far more in that regard. Uh, for my money, he's not too much different than Josh Jacobs. As a pure runner of the football. He's actually tested out more athletic than Josh Jacobs. 4 for Jordan Scarlett. Pretty explosive. Broke tackles actually at a higher rate than Josh Jacobs there over the course of his career in the SEC. Now, he's a little old, has some injury history, but uh, I think you're getting a good runner of the football in the fifth round, which is nice value. All
0: right, let's move over to the NFC West, starting with the San Francisco 49ers. They have the second overall pick, Nick Bosa, 36 overall. It was Debo Samuel. Uh, I think when you look at their first two picks, as good as it gets, I think, across the draft. Nick Bosa, the guy that we would have taken Mm -hmm. at number two, pretty efficient edge. we you know, feel like he's going to translate at the next level. Good uh, pairing with D. Ford, and then Debo, really nice scheme fit for what the, uh, Kyle Shanahan wants to do.
1: Yeah, Bosa, no brainer. If you weren't going to trade it and get a haul, take Nick Bosa. He's going to be a one of the best edge defenders in the NFL for the foreseeable future, in my opinion. He's just a very safe projection to the league. So home run there, pairing with D. Ford. You have completely revamped your edge group, and then Debo Samuel in the second. We that was the value we put on him is right around there. Great, tremendous route runner. Fantastic after the catch. Over 20 broken tackles and only 62 catches. That's one of the best rates in the entire country. Got missed a lot there this past season at South Carolina. Was open far more than his you know, 62 catches suggest he, he was. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, obviously, there's the ACL back from 2017. That might be a little bit of an issue to worry about, something to just keep in mind. But great route runner. Great after the catch. Add something to that wide receiving quarter they don't really have in terms of yeah. a guy after the catch ability like that you reminded me a little bit of Doug Baldwin
0: his tenacity but also ability to win from the slot mm-hmm. you know after the catch, you you missed. point. Yeah, yeah there's a lot a lot to like about Debo Samuel now didn't love the third round pick Jalen Hurd out of Baylor and especially I know the Niners were depleted last year at the cornerback position but it still ne- it felt like a place that they needed to attack because their mm-hmm. coverage unit was so bad last year across the board and they didn't attack until round six with Tim Harris from Virginia. Mm-hmm. Nice round six pick right there. Good size. Fits the scheme pretty well, even though he's like 35 years old. But Jalen Hurd in the third felt like they could have had better value there.
1: Uh, the former
0: running back at Tennessee turned oversized wide receiver
1: <sighs> at Baylor. Yes. I, I 100% agree. One, because he's just he looks still like a running back trying to play wide receiver. The yeah. re- receiving skills have not caught up. Now, he hasn't been there a ton, hasn't got a ton of seasoning at the position, but I, I just don't see it necessarily. He's dropped a ton of passes this past year. I believe nine uh, balls he dropped. On Ball skills like just weren't great. Catches. Ball overall. skills weren't great. Only four out of 18 contested catches. It just didn't. That, that wasn't his game. The best thing you can say about him is, yes, he can. Defenses don't know if you're going to line him up at running back or wide receiver. He has that sort of fluidity of where he can run between. But he's not anything great as a runner either. He was obviously 6'5". Not, he's incredibly tall he's going to get chopped down at the nfl level repeatedly i'd rather try to teach debo samuel how to take handoffs than you know teach jalen hurd how to play wide receiver Is, <laughs> if i'm going between the two
0: do you so. have to maximize his value though by tapping into the fact that he's a former to. running back yes yeah, yeah. like yeah. that's
1: the only way i could see because as a slot receiver as just a receiver in general it's not a third round pick it reminds to, me of the, Bra- the braxton winners. miller went in the second round
0: with the texans
1: right yeah Reminds me of Thank that.
0: You, it reminds me of that a little bit. Yeah. There's just so right, no, he much of a Did he go in the... I actually, Somewhere around there. I was just saying this the other day. I cycle back and forth between where uh-huh. they went. Guys went in mock drafts and where they went yeah. in reality sometimes. Either way, the Braxton Miller project was a project. I think you have heard. Also fits that bill there. Beyond that, Caden Smith, big, slow, tight end, but he's at least big. Mm-hmm. Has a low catch radius there to complement George he's Kittle. Two. yeah. Yeah, a number two, just in school.
1: Another one of those developmental tackles in the 6th. Pretty sixth athletic. Probably going to kick inside, I would imagine, there. Maybe. I'm not exactly sure. Then Tim Harris. Freakishly athletic cornerback out of Virginia. Size, speed, but he's 24 years old. Uh, I
0: said 35. Ex- I, yeah, it's 24.
1: Yeah. Extensive injury history. Uh, there's a reason he fell all the way to the 6th. But if he's healthy on the field, uh, he's more than a 6th round value uh, in my eyes. So, All right. Let's
0: get to the Arizona Cardinals draft. We loved it across the board. I like the way you described it. Their first three picks, exactly what we would have done. As if we were just going by our draft board, mm-hmm. that's essentially who we would have picked as far as best player, scheme fit, you know, how that we think they're going to be used with Cliff Kingsbury mm-hmm. uh, in that offense and defense. So Kyla Murray, the number one overall pick, it wasn't completely a slam dunk. They had to actually make the decision to move on from Josh Rosen. I think even though they only got a, a second-round pick out of from Josh Rosen— I think the thought process was correct. I think they handled it better yes. than most people are giving them credit.
1: Yeah, I applaud the decision to cut to admit you were wrong last year. Not admit you were wrong last year. I admit you can get a better guy than what you got last year. Or a guy that you have a higher grade on than what you got last year. And I and I think any incremental change at that position is worth so much more than what would be, you know, Nick Bosa as an edge defender. That's not gonna move the needle for a what is a fairly bereft roster of talent. Just, it's not going to move the needle for Josh Rosen uh, this upcoming season. That I just think, go get your guy in Kyler Murray. He's a perfect Cliff Kingsbury and a much better prospect, in our eyes even, than Josh Rosen. So you've got Kyler Murray. We've, if you want the full
0: Murray breakdown, you're an Arizona Cardinals fan, get to YouTube. We've got a Kyler Murray scouting report. Uh, we've got the, the draft guide, of course, all a part of PFF Edge and Elite. I mean, everything you need to know about Kyler Murray and why we believe in him. Then you get to round two. Byron Murphy, our top corner, a guy that we put as a top 10 player in this draft because of the positional value at corner. Don't care that he ran a 4-5-5. Mm-hmm. He is an excellent zone corner because of his eyes, his tackling, his playmaking ability. I think he's going to fit into this Arizona scheme
1: extremely well. Yeah, I mean, if you really want to protect him, you have Patrick Peterson there. If you really think the size is an issue, you can have Patrick Peterson go – get the bigger guy in your opposing defense, you're on your opposing offense. Now, if you're playing the Eagles now, you're not going to be then able to do that. Then you're in trouble. You're not going to be able to do that. But if you, if you do are matching up with a team that has one big, one small, that sort of thing, you could protect him theoretically, could also throw him in the slot. I likened him to a guy like Chris Harris, and that you know the size is definitely an issue. Like The wingspan is one of the smallest of any of the cornerbacks in this draft class. But he makes up for it in so many different ways, and it's not and once, and once he's in off coverage, that size tends to be far less uh, impactful in my eyes than press man. so they just got the number one QB on our board they, have the most see, position. they, they drafted though, when you look at their first three picks, like five nine QB five eleven or five ten ish cornerback five eight and a half wide receiver, like they comedid, it, it's almost like f- those guys roll into a to their facilities like this is the team we hipster drafted draft. <laughs> you know just like this. well they
0: offset it with hakeem butler i know in round four six and zach, foot five wide receiver. zach allen himself. so they'll be the first two off the bus and uh, at rookie minicamp right You'll yeah. get you get butler and come, allen to lead the way exactly they come off the bus it's, it's the high school team i mean they got seven guys though mm-hmm. i think with starting potential so andy isabella was the first wide receiver they got we've talked about him a million times on this plate on this pod and on the channel and everything but Yes, he's undersized, outside deep threat. They might be starting four wide receivers. We don't know exactly what the Clint Kingsbury air raid looks like. looks like, yeah. But Isabella, probably as an outside receiver. Hakeem mm-hmm. Butler, the fourth rounder. Now you've got a six-five. Compliments, you have different style mm-hmm. players. I like Butler with Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray, not every quarterback has the ability to just know how to uh, throw the ball away from leverage and man yeah. coverage and all that stuff. And, of course, that's where Butler needs to win, mm-hmm. and that's how Kyler Murray throws the football all of those fits are just fantastic
1: yeah i mean i think kirk and fitzgerald make more sense than the slot and isabella and butler on the outside if it's you go run it four wide but i do think isabella is the outside receiver in, that, in an offense like that
0: then you add on the defensive side zach allen power edge with the top pick of the third mm-hmm. round great run defender You're continuing to plug play and him. play lde
1: yeah challenge. so he's
0: a starter Deontay Thompson the fifth round safety now I know he may have run a four eight four nine if he actually ran a 40 Mm -hmm. but if you look at his instincts at free safety if you put him as a pure free safety role ball skills made a ton of plays last year at Alabama cut down on the missed tackles he'll be okay we've compared him to Jarius Bird so if Mm -hmm. you protect him a little bit you can get something out of him
1: and he can be your just with the talent on that roster right now he can be your third down uh guy your Buda Baker DJ Swearinger your starters he can be your nickel safety Buda Baker rolls down. Keep him at free and, and then, those yeah, guys exactly. move up. Yeah. You can keep him deep, almost protected in that sort of... If
0: he's just a stuff. free safety, I think Deontay Thompson adds a ton of value. Mm-hmm. Lamont Guyard, the center from Georgia. Another just solid all-around SEC yeah. player with starting potential at, at yeah. the sixth round.
1: Held his own 70, something like 78 pass blocking grade and 78 run blocking grade this past year in the SEC. Three years of starting experience. Powerful dude. Uh, I think he could compete with mason cole there because we didn't didn't love mason cole necessarily coming out a season ago and he played poorly as a rookie
0: let's wrap it up with this one of our astute podcast listeners asked me on twitter and i ignored him on twitter i didn't answer it yet i just didn't get around to answering yet he asked you know did they not address the offensive line because they think the air raid's going to protect Mm -hmm. uh the o-line essentially Um, first off i think before last year they put a lot of effort into the offensive line and it was just horrible. Mm-hmm. I still think they've got guys that can be average. We keep talking about this mythical be in the middle of the pack. But Justin Pugh at right guard, they traded for Marcus Gilbert at right tackle. DJ Humphreys at left tackle. Like those guys epitomize
1: average. Yeah, if you're mediocrity. like if you're saying need, did they have a need? Well, I mean, not necessarily. Like, if they drafted a guy in the third round, he might not necessarily start on this roster because you had Mason Cole in the third round last year. Now he was bad, but you have him in the third round for Cisco. So you have some draft capital invested there. DJ Humphreys, they're obviously way too invested in it at this point, having drafted him in the first He's round. He's gotten better, and though. And he has gotten He's better. Been more reasonable. Just signed D- J.R. Sweezy at left guard, traded for Marcus Gilbert at right tackle. Justin Pugh, they signed before last year for to a big deal. Now Pugh and Gilbert are glass. They are. Injury-prone as it gets That's over the, the past couple issue. seasons, you can't rely on them. But I, yeah, I would have liked for them to address the offensive line. But on on paper, it didn't qualify as a need. So uh, I wish they would have, but yeah. They could have attacked it. But the thing is, the question was, okay, can they protect it with the air raid? But it's like, who else were they getting until maybe with all their picks from rounds one through four? Like Those are all players oh, I love, or, and I love also they are talented players. Like Those are good players that they drafted. Maybe it's just that they didn't feel the value was there, and I'm not going to blame them for not reaching for value. But I also do think if you spread the field and you have these mm-hmm. Christian Kirks and Andy Isabellas
0: that can get open quickly and Hakeem Butler, who you could throw it up yeah. to, can you protect him with a quicker pass? Go game? going the Russell Wilson route of developing Kyler Murray. Yeah, just um, save us a little bit back there, exactly. Kyler. Wow. Uh, we love the draft from the Arizona Cardinals. Let's move on to speaking of Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. the Seattle Seahawks. When you talk about working the draft, they came in with four picks, they left with eleven. There's a lot of uh places out there where people are breaking down. Here's what they did with pick number twenty one and how they spun it into yeah. four, five, six players, whatever the final tally was. Just a great way to work the draft. Because when you go oh, back wow. and you say, mm-hmm. Okay, at twenty one they could have had X, but instead they came out with here with all these players. You know, if you get two out mm-hmm. if you hit on two out of four players, Yep. You've you've essentially won that trade, you mm-hmm. know. So a, a great job by the Seahawks. Now, as far as the actual picks that they made, don't always match up with our board here. L.J. Collier much higher than we would have taken him at twenty nine overall. Their first round pick, Marquise Blair, a player we like quite a bit, but at forty seven, oh, you know, just a little bit high for both those guys. I'd
1: say. I like Collier though. I mean, I will say we had him in the second round, which means we still think he's going to be a good NFL player. I just think he's limited athletically. That's not a huge. Issue for me then at 29 in the first round. I think he's a great bull rusher. Uh, so I do think you got something there. He's, he does a lot of the same things that Frank Clark did from a run defense and pass rushing perspective. So he is the natural, seamless transition from Frank Clark. Now he's not going to produce exactly like Frank Clark did out the gate, but I think he's a talented player. So
0: I think Marquis Blair, you know, every year you just have these rookies that you can't wait to see in the preseason. Marquis Blair mm-hmm. is going to be that guy for me. Can he play the Earl Thomas free safety Thin role? Of- he just goes 1,000 miles an hour mm-hmm. at all times, for better or for worse. Throws his body around. Very good athlete. Um, I mean, he is like Earl Thomas, light, light. I mean, as far as stylistically what he does out and there. And actually light. He's like 190 pounds. And he's very light. He's yeah. very light and just uh, just thin in general. Very mm-hmm. slight overall.
1: But boy, Blair's a Sacrifices his a body player. for he does. a guy at that weight. 195 pounds. I... I probably couldn't do the same. I'm. Just, I got a frail body. I. Hats off to him for. But then the thing about this, the last pick of the second round, they get DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. I mean that picks. I mean, I think he's a great fit with Russell Wilson. With Russell, yeah. how he throws his deep ball and the frequency with which, like that's that's his bread and butter. He's as good at deep ball as anyone in the NFL right now. And DK Metcalf, that's where he wins. So I think that's going to be a fun combination to see how it works out.
0: Gary Jennings. Uh, has potential at wide receiver. He's done some nice things. Cody Barton flies around the field, so they got two Utah guys that mm-hmm. uh you know can move pretty well. Barton has a chance to see some time. Ben Burke, the other linebacker from Washington might have a better shot than Freak Cody athlete. Barton. Yep. Freak? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so they added a ton of people. I mean, that's just how you do it. Just uh throw a bunch at it. Ugo Amadi, the corner at Oregon. That's the only position looking at the way Seattle has played at corner the last couple of years that they didn't really address. Uh, it was. I thought it was a good draft to address corner in the second and third round. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the only place where
1: my yeah, questions. You, ideally, they would have. I, I think they got good players, though, uh, through the first three picks, at, at least, that are still going to be able to see the field. So, Man, could have had so much more still.
0: Mm-hmm. Could have had more. We still gave it an above-average draft for the Seattle Seahawks. We were very kind, all of our grades. All right, let's wrap it up in the West with the Los Angeles Rams. And then we got the North still to do? Yeah. We're going slow. Very slow. Lots to talk about, though. Los Angeles Rams traded back out of the first round. Taylor Rapp was their first pick. The safety out of Washington. Just a safe, solid all-around football player. Only two missed tackles last year. And I like how they addressed the secondary with two out of their first Three picks, despite having what looks like five starters. Yeah, in the secondary, they know it works. It's a good team that's going to continue to reload at the right position.
1: I'm um, interesting to see how Rap fits into this defense. Uh, obviously, he was safety at Washington, but played a ton around the line of scrimmage, ton in the box. They have Eric Weddle now. Eric Weddle probably not more than a one year, two year rental at most there in Los Angeles. Have John Johnson in place, so I mean. You could be the guy who takes over for Eric Wirtle, but you'd like to see him, as your first pick, see the field earlier rather than later. Is he going to be linebacker? Is he going to be your nickel linebacker? Is he going to just switch to linebacker full-time there? Uh, is he going to be your slot corner? I don't know. I hope he sees the field, though, because he's talented. And I, I,
0: I want to see if that's how they use him. Mm-hmm. And then David Long in the third. Love that pick. You love him. Yep. We, they play a lot of man over there. That's his skills. I mean, they do everything with Wade Phillips, mm-hmm. but he, at his heart... Wants, way, to a coverage, wants to play man coverage. You know, could he challenge Marcus Peters
1: opposite I keep to leave with the way he plays man, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, Akeem keeps and Marcus Peters and no uh, they're not stuck there for a long time. They're right. they're no, you know, sure things to be there in 2020. So, a uh, little foresight on that pick, not having to pigeonhole yourself to either of those guys long term. So, David Long, great man corner in my eyes.
0: I, I just think there was good reasoning for a bunch of the picks. Daryl Henderson even though it's a running back in the 3rd round good fit for the outside zone scheme home run hitting ability when you have that good run blocking give me a guy that's fast and can Mm -hmm. can create chunk plays like henderson bobby evans another one of those developmental offensive tackles in the third round to 97 overall much he was better at left tackle in 2017 than he was sorry right tackle in 2017 than he was Mm -hmm. on the left side in 2018 he could become a steal in this draft and then greg Gaines, starting nose tackle potential early downs those are the types of guys you get in rounds four and five. They got them in round four. They got
1: two of those guys. The Bobby Evans, David Edwards, both. The Wisconsin tackle David Edwards in the fifth. Both in 2017 yeah. were among the best. The highest grade at their respective positions in all of college football. Took big steps back last year. Neither is exceptionally athletic. But I think both offer something. Uh, they both showed something on tape at some point in their careers. And then yeah, the Gaines pick. We, we love great Gaines. I think he is a nice, sure thing to translate in terms of run defense
0: so good draft there for the los angeles rams let's wrap it up in the nfc north mm-hmm. starting with the green bay packers four picks in the top 75 three in the top 44 i'm calling it a high floor draft because even though they've got the biggest boom or bust prospect maybe in the draft mm-hmm. in Rashawn gary at number 12 darnell savage starting safety at 21 Elkton jenkins starting center or guard at 44 and i think jay sternberger tight end at 75 has starting tight end
1: potential Those guys can at least carry the draft while we figure out what what Rashawn Gary is. When you have the draft capital, though, that they got from trading back with the Saints last year, and obviously I'm getting Jair Alexander, but then getting that 2019 first rounder, so the extra first rounder. When you have that, you can be a little riskier. You can take a guy like Rashawn Gary. I'm trying to obviously talk myself into it. I'm not trying to talk myself into him being uh, stud at the next level, but you can take your chances with those boomer bust guys because you're not pinning the hopes of your entire draft. Right to one guy so i think that uh, they were one of the teams that could take that risk uh, now if you're looking for something on gary's tape production wise that to point to and be like okay this is this guy if i can get that out of him all the time we're good there's nothing there's there's no there's no redeeming qualities in terms of even if when we isolate for even when he's doing the you know, pure pass rushers who we went third and long still not productive. There's no, like, no way to slice up the numbers for him where he's productive on tape, but there's a handful of in- incredible bull rushes he has. There's a few nice rushes from the interior. He's a freak of nature athletically. I mean, he can do things that other guys can't in this class. You're just hoping that your coaches are better than the coaches he had at Michigan. I
0: will say, like I said, with Montez Sweat, you surround him with Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, mm-hmm. uh, Preston he'll Smith. He'll run into stuff. I mean, yeah. Yes, he'll, he'll run into stuff, and he'll get one-on-one opportunities because you've got so many guys getting mm-hmm. after the quarterback there that you have to account for. So, and I'm I'm all about diversifying the funds, so to speak. You know, get mm-hmm. guys that you feel good it about, get guys
1: that the mutual fund. It they is. got a really safe guy, Nelton Jenkins and Jay Sternberger, second and third. Savage pretty easy projection. Let's let's get a penny stock, pump all our money into that at the top and then Rashawn see if Gally, I,
0: The penny stock
1: <laughs> at number 12 though. I know. Look, and it might. was just a lie, but I can see why
0: he might look like my Litecoin investment from uh, two years ago. <laughs> How's that working out for you? Not so hot. I was hoping to pick up <laughs> Damn. some... Sam.
1: Can't some. believe you're not on the cutting edge of investing. I was makes. just trying to pick up a few extra donuts.
0: <laughs> Sam Sam pushed me that way. Ugh, bad investment. Anyway, Darnell Savage. Let's brag about how, lo- how much we love him. We had him and Nasir Adderley as our two top free safeties. We put them right next to each other on the board. Savage has incredible speed that shows up on the field. When you have Adrian Amos now at strong safety, Savage can play free. He can play all over the place. I just love the range that he brings. No matter what position he's playing, he brings incredible range because his, his short area acceleration is just incredible. Yeah,
1: four three six forty, uh, that shows up repeatedly on tape. Thirty nine and a half inch vertical. He just explodes in in the short area in in his long speed as well when he's going you know sideline to sideline. And he is a. He plays like his hair is on fire. He is going after, going for the big hit again and again. It's going to be a sight for sore eyes for Packers fans who had to watch ha, ha Clinton Dix play. And for all that we graded HaHa ha Clinton Dix all right because he can make plays in coverage, he was not the one to be jumping on a pile, laying a big hit. Darnell Savage will be the guy to be doing that. Yeah, he flies. Just mm-hmm. flies everywhere. Elkin Jenkins, you mentioned you called him
0: safe. I don't want to fall into this category of like every offensive lineman safe, but he was a he was first round player on our board, yeah, right? Exactly. He was our first round center that they got at forty four. He could start at center or guard, even though he struggled a little bit more at guard at the senior bowl. Balance is good. Balance. I, I love Sternberger, man. Yeah, Sternberger. I, mean, I, I said before the draft, I would rather Sternberger say in the third rather than Noah Fant in the second. Fant, of course, goes mm-hmm. in the first, but Sternberger has.
1: Vertical seam and top of the route skills that some of these other tight ends don't have. Sternberg had 21 big time catches this past year. Thank you for calling it that. I 21 big time catches, which are plus one graded catches or higher. The next closest tight end in this draft class only had 14, seven more than anyone else, over 50% more than anyone else. He was just, he was a big play threat. He's a great route runner. Receiving skills wise, it's fantastic. Now he's not special athletically, 4.75 at the combine. Not going to, you know, turn too many heads there. But he can be a very productive tight end, especially with Aaron Rodgers, who made a lot with Jericho Finley, who ran like the 4 eights. So I think that could be your guy there going forward. I mean, so much
0: of our wide receiver tight end analysis is like, well, if you give him Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or Drew Brees or what you know, that's that's gonna, a, it's going to No, no, but, no, but it's, no. But it's their style. But, but I yeah. like his style with Rodgers. I like DK yeah. Metcalf's style with yeah. Russell Wilson. You know, I think that's, mm-hmm. that is important. Um, and then anything else, day three? that? Yeah, you? I'll
1: say this. I'll have my Kingsley Kiki take, who had the highest grade of any oh, this is good. Good Any emoji. defensive lineman in, at the senior ball. Highest pass rushing win rate of any defensive lineman at the senior ball. I think right now he is a better football player than Rashawn Gary. I'm not saying he's going to be down the line, but I think just right now he is a better football player than the guy they drafted at number 12 overall. They got him at number 150, and you think he's better than the guy at number 12? Just right now. I'm saying just right now. Now, he's older. He's almost 23. That's obviously playing a factor into this. So he's, But there is something to work with here, though. 288 pounds. He was playing actually out of position, in my mind, at Texas A&M. Played over 60% of his snaps. Lined up outside the tackle. So he was playing basically a defensive end there in that Texas A&M scheme, who would sometimes kick inside. I think he's just purely a three technique or an inside player at the next level. 35 and 5-8-inch arms. Ran a four nine five forty. I mean, he's a very good athlete. 31 Thirty one and a half inch vertical. Uh, had good three cone, good short shuttle times uh, for a man that size. I, I think there's something to work with here. I'm surprised he didn't go higher because he's plus athlete for the position. Defensive tackle dominated the Senior Bowl. Usually those yeah, guys. Yeah, the Senior Bowl stuff usually false yeah. guys. And the fact that he played out of position at Texas A&M, so wasn't super productive playing off the edge. But when he kicks inside, I'm saying right now he's a better player. Not saying he will be, but right now i'm saying it's hot hot take packers draft we like it overall we'll see what happens with mm-hmm.
0: rashawn gary let's go on to the detroit lions uh, again theme wise i think for the second year in a row the detroit lions are saying we need to get better in the run game <sighs> last year it was Sad. frank Ragdow. It was interior O lineman they drafted a fullback in the seventh round they drafted a running back they drafted a run stopper in the middle rounds this year was a lot of the same tj hawkinson at number eight I think he's going to be a very good player. It's an unexciting top ten pick mm-hmm. because to justify that as a tight end, like you have to be Travis Kelsey, you have to be Gronk, you have to be one of those top tight ends, right?
1: Yeah. So it's you don't have to be, but you have to have a role that's going to utilize everything that he brings to the table. Because in terms of receiving ability, him versus Jay Sternberger is not that big of a difference in our eyes. Right. No, like there's not. There's not. If you were just to take them both as receivers, you're not going to take. Hawkins, just in a vacuum. Hawkinson's not going to be the eighth overall player in your board and, and Sternberger's not going to be the 75th if, right. if that's the only thing you're looking at. So you have to bring something else to the table that separates them and obviously blocking is the big thing in that that separates them. Hawkinson is fantastic, Sternberger, not so much. So if you're going to actually take advantage of that run blocking ability, if you're going to heavily feature him in that running game, if you're going to do a lot like what the Patriots do in terms of being able to go from these heavy sets to then spread wide in the blink of an eye and have that versatility and take advantage of that, I can get on board with this and actually utilize the skill set. But the thing is not... Sort of, we like said, it's tough to get value out of a tight end because not too many teams have that plan for the guy to actually utilize him that much.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's a good all-around player. Uh, Only two drops throughout his entire college career. You mentioned the run blocking. He has mm-hmm. no problem mixing it up against defensive ends. so i think he'll be a solid player one of the bigger reaches just our board compared to what happened though jelani tavai out of hawaii uh our friend dane brugler from the athletic had him in like the 60s yeah. and he was the highest on him in the 60s on his draft board he was the highest
1: i saw on him my the funniest tweet i saw all weekend was someone tweeted out some when the lions like beat writers tweeted out uh you know Blind Select, Jeline Divide. This was Dane Brugler's guy. He had him 66 or whatever on his big board. And the guy responded to him, oh, great, so excited that we got... Oh, gosh, what was the exact it's like it? it was like 23 It was Yeah, so great that we got the guy that even the highest evaluator had 20 picks later. Yeah. Well, so, so that
0: about sums it up. Now, by all I really reports... that,
1: but it was funny. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I laughed when you first told it to me the right way. Uh,
0: the Patriots were all over him, too. I mean, you're talking about... Uh, Matt Patricia's in Detroit. It doesn't make it the right pick. Brian right. Flores is in yeah. Miami. I'm just All I'm yeah. saying is, if you covet a player, mm-hmm. now the Lions and Patriots and Dolphins and maybe the Titans with Vrabel, and all, they're all coveting similar players mm-hmm. for the most part. So they have to kind of jockey against each other. Now, coveting this player, I think, is the question. Whether it's Bill Belichick or not, it's tough to say, okay, Tavai's going to be number 43 overall value. Uh, yeah, Just like I didn't think Kerryon Johnson was... What was he, 40th or 41st last year? Like, he's not... Top forty value, as well as mm-hmm. he played last year at running back for you know for out of Auburn for the Lions, it's just not second round value for the second
1: year in a row. I think for the Lions, yeah, that's the biggest thing. Uh, that that really is just the biggest thing. Is there were guys Dependent. with similar skill sets who I, I think could execute it at a very at that same level or not that same level, but in a very similar level, drafted far later on in the draft that. Right. Taki, or excuse me, Taki Taki is a guy I point to who got drafted mm-hmm. a round later. Who is a actually won at a high rate as an edge rusher, and who went to the Browns in the third round. Does a lot of the same stuff in terms of can seamlessly go from middle linebacker to outside linebacker and rush the passer at both positions. And Jelani Tavai is just not uh, a special athlete. He's four eight four forty guy. He ran his pro day. That's not like that you drafted that 43rd overall I, another guy Justin Hollins who got drafted later a much better athlete can go from edge rusher to off-ball linebacker has that sort of athleticism I, I just don't get why you had to get him at 43 when so many other good players are left on the draft board at impact positions I can't see Tavai making anywhere near that impact before we get to the pick that we really like by the Lions
0: though Will Harris at safety Boston College Austin Bryant's the edge out of Clemson. Two more players who actually had better run defense grades than they had. Mm -hmm. for. So, Will Harris, better run defense than coverage grade at safety. Austin Bryant's better run defense than pass rush grade Mm -hmm. at Clemson over the last couple years. So, they continue to get these guys who are fundamentally sound and good against the run. And and this just reminds me of, like, talk about Patriots disciples when Mm -hmm. uh, Thomas Dimitrov took over with the Atlanta Falcons. It was all like, let's get all these big-bodied run-stoppers, and they couldn't get after the quarterback, and they couldn't stop the pass. It was like they were building this team from 1985, Mm -hmm. trying to stop the run. I fear for the Lions that, as great as their defensive line is at being big and stopping the run, that they're building this team that is Mm -hmm. so good at the wrong parts of the game, and the last two drafts are all pointed toward that strategy.
1: Now, I think Harris can make some plays. I like him, actually, in quarters making plays. Uh, coming downhill on the football. I think he actually offers something in coverage, but I do. The, all the other picks from a team building perspective are this we're going to run the ball, we're going to stop the run, sort of how they're building it. And even last year, uh, from that strategy. Last year, which, especially. This year, they last, at least added some other. I, I just players. worry about that being valuable. All right.
0: The pick that we love, though, and if we had taken. Fifth rounder Amani Owarier and threw him in the second round and put Tavai in the fifth round. We'd say okay, it's not a bad, looks, yeah, it's not a it bad draft. Look. So ultimately, it's not too bad for the Lions. I don't know why Owarier fell to the fifth round, one forty six overall, price. but good size, movement skills, and I, th- I think he's got potential to just start
1: right opposite Darius Slay. Yeah, that one was one of the biggest surprises of this draft. We called him a second rounder. I love his movement skills. He's got such smooth hips for a six foot one corner. Uh, I really. Don't know how he fell that far. Six eighty 3 cone for a guy who's six, 1 uh, over 200 pounds, 205 pounds at cornerback. That's rare, sort of, change of direction ability at that size. Uh, sub 4, five forty was the best cornerback at the Senior Bowl for my money, having watched all the practices and the one on ones. That's him falling was one of the steals of the draft, 100%. He will compete with Jalen T's Tabor,
0: I think, for playing time right away. Uh, Opposite Darius. Much more competition to be honest. So, Lions draft. Didn't love it overall. Mm-hmm. We had two more, Mike. And this is it. All right. Bears or Vikings? Let's go Vikings. And then the easy one to finish? Yep. All right. The Vikings had a ton of picks. Nine million picks. For the Minnesota Vikings, the interesting strategy here ah. in the first round is going Garrett Bradbury, the center out of NC State. We expected them to go offensive line. And the entire time these tackles are dropping, only one tackle out of our five first-round graded offensive tackles were off the board by the time the Vikings... Drafted at 18. The only guy off the board was Jonah Williams. Mm-hmm. And we kept saying, you know, if Jonah Williams falls, that's like their best-case scenario. Second-best-case base scenario would be Andre Dillard, Jawan Taylor, Dalton Reisner, Cody Ford, all being there at 18, and they took Garrett Bradbury, the center, out of NC State. Now, we, don't, we like Bradbury as a player. We had an early second on him, have some concerns about him against bigger dose tackles, which, you know, he might have to run into a little bit in the yeah, NFC Yeah, maybe North. just
1: a little bit. I just... I thought it was short, I thought it was a short-sighted sort of draft for them. You get a center when you have a bunch of tackles on the board and the best case scenario for him is he turns into, you know, say he is really the best center in the NFL in 3 years. Okay, great. You got one of the best centers in the NFL. That's not a valuable position. You teams are paying average tackles more than the best center. In the NFL nowadays, like that's just how that's just the pay, well, how the pay scale is gone. Donovan Smith makes more than the highest paid center in the league. The left tackle for the Bucks, Gosh. who's been the whipping boy, and finally came good his last season. To not even good, came finally came average to his last season uh, for the Bucks and gets paid more than the highest paid center in the NFL. You pass that up to address. Obviously a glaring need, but the thing was, someone was going to have to switch positions anyway. If you didn't draft a guard, it was either going to be uh, the center there, Pat Elfline, or Riley Reef. I think I would have been better off having Riley Reif kick into guard and getting a left tackle than having Pat Elfline move to guard and getting a center. In my yes,
0: yeah, so you take Andre Dillard potentially at left mm-hmm. tackle, push Riley Reef into guard instead of taking Garrett Bradbury at center and pushing Elfline to guard yes. instead now Elfline probably needs to move to guard anyway he's really struggled at center yeah the last two years and i can understand their reasoning a little bit from that standpoint two subpar grades and we keep saying this group that you have to face in the nfc north kenny clark big snacks damon harrison uh Akeem
1: hicks in chicago
0: i mean it is a eddie very goldman. eddie goldman in chicago
1: there's a lot of good yeah. players trial by fire for garrett bradbury it's gonna be tough for you
0: but uh, by the way he's just We've compared him to Jason Kelsey in the past, as far as his quickness, athleticism. I mean, mm-hmm. he can make some
1: screen game weapons,
0: special blocks. Yeah. Anything in space, you can pull him. Mm-hmm. Outside zone game, love Bradbury. It's about facing power though, as a yes, as a pass blocker. Mm-hmm. So he might get pushed back. So the good part is, you know, Cousins just drifts back in the pocket so much. He does the bull rush stuff might not affect him. They,
1: I think that's why he drifts back in the pocket though. That could be. That. Could be all the pressure.
0: I really like tight end Irv Smith in the Mm -hmm. second round. You talk about what um, Kirk Cousins had in Washington with Jordan Reed as a guy that can split out wide, create mismatches against tight ends. That's Irv Smith, more of an H-back, though. He's not Kyle Rudolph. Exactly. He's a good complement to Kyle Rudolph and um, David Morgan Mm -hmm. over there on what they have at tight end. So um, that's good. Alexander Madison's a pretty good running back, but when you're going running back at round round
1: three... The the draft really... I mean, they had, one, they had six picks in the last, or seven picks in the last two rounds, which I'm not sure how they got themselves to that situation, but those picks are damn near useless in the sixth and seventh round. History has shown that to be the case. Uh, I'm not sure why they set up that way, but they did. And then to draft a guard in the third round, or excuse me, a running back in the third round when you're probably better off using one of those sixth and seventh rounders on a running back. When you have Dalvin Cook there, I get Dalvin Cook's injury history, but... It just felt like you could have addressed some other positions with 102 overall. Some good players went very quickly after that. They ultimately came away with three
0: offensive linemen. Drew Samia mm-hmm. from Oklahoma. He's got some work to do, despite bringing the nasty in the run game, for whatever that's worth. Mm-hmm. Ole Udo, another one of those
1: developmental, developmental tackles, tackles, did pretty yeah. well.
0: I like Armand court. Watts, though.
1: I will say, those it's late, late runners. The one, I like Armand Watts. He uses his hands really well as a pass rusher. Has some length. And then the two route runners... Dylan Mitchell and Olabisi Johnson, both very quick. I think they offer something as 7th rounders. I think one of them at least will make this roster. Supplants Laquan? Mm-hmm. No, I don't know about supplants Laquan. You got too much invested in him, but I think makes this roster is what I'm saying, for a 7th rounder to make rosters. So it's a lot of picks. Irv Smith,
0: probably my favorite pick, mm-hmm. even though that was a little bit higher than we would have taken him as far as use. Uh, they'll get use out of him and Garrett Bradbury at least. Yeah. But uh, from a process standpoint, it wasn't our favorite. It draft. was it's, like
1: it was a draft that you're it was an all in draft. It's guys that are going to affect this year right now What's yeah. your draft. All right, let's wrap it up. The Chicago Bears and the Bears, I think, had another team that went for an all in draft. Where, and I think it's also they went for a draft where you didn't have a lot of capital. You didn't have a pick until the third round. You wanted to come away with someone that was going to see the field simply because as a GM, you, you like couldn't look like the fans would get mad if they're like, oh, who's the rookie? And, like, there's no no reason to be excited about. It. So you get David Montgomery, a running back who steps in and can be your starting running back right away, even though you signed Mike Davis. I think Montgomery easily supplants him, and then Riley Ridley, who will get uh, some run there on the outside. He's better than Cordell Patterson, obviously. As uh, Cordell Patterson probably not even going to see the field. Then hope you'd, you'd rather he not see the field as a wide receiver. Pa- Patterson they might use in one of those gimmick roles
0: though mm-hmm. with Tariq yeah. Cohen. I just like that you've got the next potential playmaker on the outside with riley ridley keep that going the risk with the bears who have a solid roster across the board same thing we said with the eagles is if you just fit a couple needs it's almost like a wasted draft a year or two from now is mm-hmm. even if montgomery is really really good i mean out of their five picks they picked two running backs mm. kareth white out of florida atlantic as well montgomery's awesome mm. forced 99 missed tackles last year very difficult to tackle he'll probably be productive but would
1: have liked more of a value position with that first I like Duke Shelley the sixth rounder if I were to pick my favorites of these in terms of value where they got him I think Duke Shelley in the sixth could be their future slot cornerback no more Bryce Callahan you obviously got Bruster Screen over from the Jets we've never cared for Brusta Screen he's not a great slot cornerback whatsoever uh, I think Duke Shelley could supplant him as soon as the season to be honest I, I don't see that being unreasonable so I think he has some potential there as a slot and then Steven Denmark is just a big freak
0: corner Mm-hmm. huge with movement skills small small school and you
1: know we said yeah.
0: you're either getting somebody uber productive like duke shelley or somebody yeah. uber athletic like 40
1: 43 and a half inch vertical 220 pounds 148 10 time these are ridiculous numbers yeah you just kind of get it here's the f- here's the kicker 7.43 cone Oof! wow that is greg
0: gabe said they're not moving them to safety by the it's way a just statue not a moving them yeah. to safety it's not happening so anyway, it's, he's the DK Metcalf of corners. He is really just get them out. Th- oh, what if they covered each other? They're a preseason <laughs> game with the Bears and Seahawks playing in the preseason. I just want to see that. Somebody looked that up. Incredible. Is that it, Mike? Have we discussed every so we've now officially broken down every draft twice. we have it. I mean, three times night, night of mm-hmm. and then YouTube and then on the podcast here. Great work. It's good. It's fun. We'll be back tomorrow. Don't know if we'll do it live. Maybe we will, but we'll hit all of our superlatives. We'll do our best UDFAs, too. I added that to the list. All of the best of lists, best value, biggest reaches, best fits, best overall drafts, all that fun stuff. Thanks to everybody for listening. Setting records for us this week. Don't forget to get to ProFootballFocus.com. PFF Edge and Elite for breakdowns on the entire draft class. We'll talk to you guys again tomorrow.